Chapter Seven of Book One of On the Heavens by Aristotle, translated by J. L. Stocks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Chapter Seven. Every body must necessarily be either finite or infinite, and if infinite either of similar or of dissimilar parts if its parts are dissimilar they must represent either a finite or an infinite number of kinds that the kinds cannot be infinite is evident if our original presuppositions remain unchallenged for the primary movements being finite in number the kinds of simple body are necessarily also finite since the movement of a simple body is simple and the simple movements are finite and every natural body must always have its proper motion now if the infinite body is to be composed of a finite number of kinds then each of its parts must necessarily be infinite in quantity that is to say the water fire etc which compose it but this is impossible because as we have already shown infinite weight and lightness do not exist moreover it would be necessary also that their places should be infinite in extent so that the movements too of all these bodies would be infinite but this is not possible if we are to hold to the truth of our original presuppositions and to the view that neither that which moves downward nor by the same reasoning that which moves upward can prolong its movement to infinity for it is true in regard to quality quantity and place alike that any process of change is impossible which can have no end i mean that if it is impossible for a thing to have come to be white or a cubit long or in egypt it is also impossible for it to be in process of coming to be any of these it is thus impossible for a thing to be moving to a place at which in its motion it can never by any possibility arrive again suppose the body to exist in dispersion it may be maintained none the less that the total of all these scattered particles say of fire is infinite but body we saw to be that which has extension every way how can there be several dissimilar elements each infinite each would have to be infinitely extended every way it is no more conceivable again that the infinite should exist as a whole of similar parts for in the first place there is no other straight movement beyond those mentioned we must therefore give it one of them and if so we shall have to admit either infinite weight or infinite lightness nor secondly could the body whose movement is circular be infinite since it is impossible for the infinite to move in a circle this indeed would be as good as saying that the heavens are infinite which we have shown to be impossible moreover in general it is impossible that the infinite should move at all if it did it would move either naturally or by constraint and if by constraint it possesses also a natural motion that is to say there is another place infinite like itself to which it will move but 
that is impossible that in general it is impossible for the infinite to be acted upon by the finite or to act upon it may be shown as follows one the infinite cannot be acted upon by the finite let a be an infinite b a finite c the time of a given movement produced by one in the other suppose then that a was heated or impelled or modified in any way or caused to undergo any sort of movement whatever by b in the time c let d be less than b and assuming that a lesser agent moves a lesser patient in an equal time call the quantity thus modified by d e then as d is to b so is e to some finite quantum we assume that the alteration of equal by equal takes equal time and the alteration of less by less or of greater by greater takes the same time if the quantity of the patient is such as to keep the proportion which obtains between the agents greater and less if so no movement can be caused in the infinite by any finite agent in any time whatever for a less agent will produce that movement in a less patient in an equal time and the proportionate equivalent of that patient will be a finite quantity since no proportion holds between finite and infinite two the infinite cannot act upon the finite nor again can the infinite produce a movement in the finite in any time whatever let a be an infinite b a finite c the time of action in the time c d will produce that motion in a patient less than b say f then take e bearing the same proportion to d as the whole b f bears to f e will produce the motion in b f in the time c thus the finite and the infinite effect the same alteration in equal times but this is impossible for the assumption is that the greater affects it in a shorter time it will be the same with any time that can be taken so that there will be no time in which the infinite can affect this movement and as to infinite time in that nothing can move another or be moved by it for such time has no limit while the action and reaction have three there is no interaction between infinites nor can infinite be acted upon in any way by infinite let a and b be infinites c d being the time of the action of a upon b now the whole b was modified in a certain time and the part of this infinite e cannot be so modified in the same time since we assume that a less quantity makes the movement in a less time let e then when acted upon by a complete the movement in the time 
d then as d is to c d so is e to some finite part of b this part will necessarily be moved by a in the time c d for we suppose that the same agent produces a given effect on a greater and a smaller mass in longer and shorter times the times and masses varying proportionately there is thus no finite time in which infinites can move one another is their time then infinite no for infinite time has no end but the movement communicated has if therefore every perceptible body possesses the power of acting or of being acted upon or both of these it is impossible that an infinite body should be perceptible all bodies however that occupy place are perceptible there is therefore no infinite body beyond the heaven nor again is there anything of limited extent beyond it and so beyond the heaven there is no body at all for if you suppose it an object of intelligence it will be in a place since place is what quotes, within and quotes, beyond denote and therefore an object of perception but nothing that is not in a place is perceptible the question may also be examined in the light of more general considerations as follows the infinite considered as a whole of similar parts cannot on the one hand move in a circle for there is no centre of the infinite and that which moves in a circle moves about the centre nor again can the infinite move in a straight line for there would have to be another place infinite like itself to be the goal of its natural movement and another equally great for the goal of its unnatural movement moreover whether its rectilinear movement is natural or constrained in either case the force which causes its motion will have to be infinite for infinite force is force of an infinite body and of an infinite body the force is infinite so the motive body also will be infinite the proof of this is given in our discussion of movement where it is shown that no finite thing possesses infinite power and no infinite thing finite power if then that which moves naturally can also move unnaturally there will be two infinites one which causes and another which exhibits the latter motion again what is it that moves the infinite if it moves itself it must be animate but how can it possibly be conceived as an infinite animal and if there is something else that moves it there will be two infinites that which moves and that which is moved differing in their form and power if the whole is not continuous but exists as democritus and leucippus think in the form of parts separated by void there must necessarily be one movement of all the multitude they are distinguished we are told from one another by their figures but their nature is one like many pieces of gold separated from one another but each piece must as we assert have the same motion for a single clod moves to the same place as the whole mass of earth and a spark to the same place as the whole mass of fire 
so that if it be weight that all possess no body is strictly speaking light and if lightness be universal none is heavy moreover whatever possesses weight or lightness will have its place either at one of the extremes or in the middle region but this is impossible while the world is conceived as infinite and generally that which has no centre or extreme limit no up or down gives the bodies no place for their motion and without that movement is impossible a thing must move either naturally or unnaturally and the two movements are determined by the proper and alien places again a place in which a thing rests or to which it moves unnaturally must be the natural place for some other body as experience shows necessarily therefore not everything possesses weight or lightness but some things do and some do not from these arguments then it is clear that the body of the universe is not infinite chapter eight we must now proceed to explain why there cannot be more than one heaven the further question mentioned above for it may be thought that we have not proved universally of bodies that none whatever can exist outside our universe and that our argument applied only to those of indeterminate extent now all things rest and move naturally and by constraint a thing moves naturally to a place in which it rests without constraint and rests naturally in a place to which it moves without constraint on the other hand a thing moves by constraint to a place in which it rests by constraint and rests by constraint in a place to which it moves by constraint further if a given movement is due to constraint its contrary is natural if then it is by constraint that earth moves from a certain place to the centre here its movement from here to there will be natural and if earth from there rests here without constraint its movement hither will be natural and the natural movement in each case is one further these worlds being similar in nature to ours must all be composed of the same bodies as it moreover each of the bodies fire i mean and earth and their intermediates must have the same power as in our world for if these names are used equivocally if the identity of name does not rest upon an identity of form in those elements and ours then the whole to which they belong can only be called a world by equivocation clearly then one of the bodies will move naturally away from the centre and another towards the centre since fire must be identical with fire earth with earth and so on as the fragments of each are identical in this world that this must be the case is evident from the principles laid down in our discussion of the movements for these are limited in number and the distinction of the elements depends upon the distinction of the movements therefore since the movements are the same the elements must also be the same everywhere the particles of earth then in another world move naturally also to our centre and its fire to our circumference this however is impossible since if it were true 
earth must in its own world move upwards and fire to the centre in the same way the earth of our world must move naturally away from the centre when it moves towards the centre of another universe this follows from the supposed juxtaposition of the worlds for either we must refuse to admit the identical nature of the simple bodies in the various universes or admitting this we must make the centre and the extremity one as suggested this being so it follows that there cannot be more worlds than one to postulate a difference of nature in the simple bodies according as they are more or less distant from their proper places is unreasonable for what difference can it make whether we say that a thing is this distance away or that one would have to suppose a difference proportionate to the distance and increasing with it but the form is in fact the same moreover the bodies must have some movement since the fact that they move is quite evident are we to say then that all their movements even those which are mutually contrary are due to constraint no for a body which has no natural movement at all cannot be moved by constraint if then the bodies have a natural movement the movement of the particular instances of each form must necessarily have for goal a place numerically one i e a particular centre or a particular extremity if it be suggested that the goal in each case is one in form but numerically more than one on the analogy of particulars which are many though each undifferentiated in form we reply that the variety of goal cannot be limited to this portion or that but must extend to all alike for all are equally undifferentiated in form but any one is different numerically from any other what i mean is this if the portions in this world behave similarly both to one another and to those in another world then the portion which is taken hence will not behave differently either from the portions in another world or from those in the same world but similarly to them since in form no portion differs from another the result is that we must either abandon our present assumptions or assert that the centre and the extremity are each numerically one but this being so the heaven by the same evidence and the same necessary inferences must be one only and no more a consideration of the other kinds of movement also makes it plain that there is some point to which earth and fire move naturally for in general that which is moved changes from something into something the starting point and the goal being different in form and always it is a finite change for instance to recover health is to change from disease to health to increase is to change from smallness to greatness locomotion must be similar for it also has its goal and starting point and therefore the starting point and the goal of the natural movement must differ in form just as the movement of coming to health does not take any direction which chance or the wishes of the mover may select thus too fire and earth move not to infinity but to opposite points and since the opposition in place is between above and below these will be the limits of their movement 
even in circular movement there is a sort of opposition between the ends of the diameter though the movement as a whole has no contrary so that here too the movement has in a sense an opposed and finite goal there must therefore be some end to locomotion it cannot continue to infinity this conclusion that local movement is not continued to infinity is corroborated by the fact that earth moves more quickly the nearer it is to the centre and fire the nearer it is to the upper place but if movement were infinite speed would be infinite also and if speed then weight and lightness for as superior speed in downward movement implies superior weight so infinite increase of weight necessitates infinite increase of speed further it is not the action of another body that makes one of these bodies move up and the other down nor is it constraint like the quotes, extrusion of some writers for in that case the larger the mass of fire or earth the slower would be the upward or downward movement but the fact is the reverse the greater the mass of fire or earth the quicker always is its movement towards its own place again the speed of the movement would not increase towards the end if it were due to constraint or extrusion for a constrained movement always diminishes in speed as the source of constraint becomes more distant and a body moves without constraint to the place whence it was moved by constraint a consideration of these points then gives adequate assurance of the truth of our contentions the same could also be shown with the aid of the discussions which fall under first philosophy as well as from the nature of the circular movement which must be eternal both here and in the other worlds it is plain too from the following considerations that the universe must be one the bodily elements are three and therefore the places of the elements will be three also the place first of the body which sinks to the bottom namely the region about the centre the place secondly of the revolving body namely the outermost place and thirdly the intermediate place belonging to the intermediate body here in this third place will be the body which rises to the surface since if not here it will be elsewhere and it cannot be elsewhere for we have two bodies one weightless one endowed with weight and below is the place of the body endowed with weight since the region about the centre has been given to the heavy body and its position cannot be unnatural to it for it would have to be natural to something else and there is nothing else it must then occupy the intermediate place what distinctions there are within the intermediate itself we will explain later on we have now said enough to make plain the character and number of the bodily elements the place of each and further in general how many in number the various places are end of chapter eight recording in memory of mitchell edwards